Happy Father's Day, Lindsay Lane North. I'm Joseph, the student pastor. Thank you for joining us today. And if this is your first time visiting, please take a minute to fill out the connect card you received in your bulletin and drop it in the offering bucket on your way out today. Someone on our staff will personally reach out to you with a call or text or email later this week just to say thanks for visiting. And don't forget to stop by our next steps table on your way out today. Find out how you can get involved in what's going on here at Lindsay Lane North. We're in the community for the community. Have a great Father's Day and enjoy the service. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Father's Day, Sunday. All right. Where my dad's at? Say who? All right. Hey, I got four of you. I like that. Men showing up and showing out today. It's good to be here. My name is Will. I am the worship pastor here, and I just want to say welcome to every single person, especially the dads. All right. Let's, let's uh, go ahead and stand together. I'm going to pray for us and just invite the Holy Spirit to come and to fill this room today. Let's, uh, let's take this time, if you haven't already prayed this morning, go ahead and take this time and pray. And let's align our hearts and, and get right with the Lord so that we can worship him together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Uh, God, we praise your name. Lord, we pray that you will be glorified in this time. We give you our hearts. Lord, we lift up our, our, our hearts to you today. And God, we pray that your spirit would have freedom to move in this room. Lord, we, we are blessed to be in your presence this morning, uh, already in the first service. And God, we just, we give you freedom. Do what you want to do, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
song to me it, it reminds me that that God is with me in the midst of anything that I go through he's with you as his child in the midst of whatever you're going through and it reminds me that he's faithful 
and he fights our battles for us. And so wherever you're at today, whatever battle you're in, whatever, you know, life situation you're in this morning, he is with you if you're his child. He's not forsaken you. He's not, he's not quit on you. And so take heart. Be encouraged that he is with you in the midst of whatever you're going through. This next song is called uh, You Never Let Go, and that's an awesome reminder. Sing this with us.
Lift your voice with us.
pray together. God, we are so thankful, Lord, that you, uh, God, have spoken to us through these songs, and, and Lord, the message rings true that, God, your, your blood covers every sin that, that we could ever do, um, and Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. 
God, you are the ultimate father. You sent your only son for our sin to save us, to put his righteousness onto us so that we can have a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for, God, the peace that I have in Christ alone as we've sang. God, I just pray for people in here that may not have that peace in Christ. I pray today that the gospel would change their lives. Lord, we know that you're here. We know that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so I pray that your spirit would continue to move and that God, he would have freedom in this place to change us today. Lord, thank you for our pastor. I thank you for uh, (laughs) his willingness, God, to just be used uh, by you, Lord, for your glory. I pray that you would speak through him today. Thank you for a great week of VBS, and we're going to get to see that here in a second on the screen. But we thank you for all that you did last week and all that you've done today so far. Continue to work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a week it was. (laughs) You know, I'm one of those shoot, ready, aim kind of guys that when people ask me to do things, there are times that I commit myself to things without thinking things through um, all the way. Preaching in pink hair on Father's Day was not something that I had in mind when I said, yeah, sure, we'll do it, no problem. I also don't think about it when I'm meeting first-time guests and I'm like, hey, I'm the pastor of the church, and they just tuck tail and run. Uh, we, luckily, we didn't have anybody do that, but uh, I have had that thought on multiple occasions today. Uh, 
I am wearing, this is an attempt at pink. I have dark hair. And I was advised by some uh, wonderful people in the profession of hair care not to do some things to turn my hair pink. So this is as close to pink as we're getting. Um, but I have a 1,033 reasons to have this pink hair. Our VBS this week, among other things, our kids raised $1,033 and some change to go to support uh, neighborhood bridges in our community. And so, unbelievable, the, the girls won... The girls won three days out of one, at three days to one, but the difference was $7.67. They were that close. And let me tell you, I was a bigger fan of the blue than the, the pink, but it is what it is. And so we're excited about that. Thank you for everybody that pulled off, that was used to pull off VBS. Thank you for allowing your kids to come and, and worship and hang out with us. We hope they had a blast. We certainly did have a blast. I know. I got you. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was shooting me a number uh, where you couldn't see. Uh, but it was a great time. We had over 50 kids every single night, and so that was incredible. Had a great family night as well. And, and the biggest number of all that I'm super pumped about is we saw seven kids come to faith in Christ. And so seven kids from death to life. So y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Awesome, awesome uh, stuff going on this week on campus, and so it takes a lot a lot, a lot to pull that off. And we were doing it for the very first time, right? This was our first VBS rep as a, as a church. And man, y'all did such a fantastic job. And the kingdom of heaven is richer as a result of it. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, I would like to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. I don't know what Father's Day means to you. I don't know for many in here. Obviously, it's a happy time, time we get to celebrate. Uh, it is for our household, but I know for many, it's not. Many, it's a, it's a sad time, and many, it's a time of great loss. But whatever uh, whatever circumstance you come in here with today, uh, I, I do want to wish Happy Father's Day, and I know that God has a word for us in His Word. Uh, we're talking today. Our message today is carrying bones, carrying bones, leaving a legacy of faith. This this message transcends gender. It transcends just fathers into mothers. And, and, and all of us in this room need to give consideration to how we are leaving a legacy of faith. When you talk about legacy, probably the greatest sports example of legacy was experienced on September 14th, 1990. On September 14, 1990, something happened that has never happened before or since. So baseball began in 1875, and it has never happened before, and it's never happened since. Late in the 17-year career of King Griffey Sr., he was signed by the Seattle Mariners. His son, as many millennials in here will remember, was King Ken Griffey Jr., he was just starting, Ken Griffey Jr. was just starting his major league career with the Seattle Mariners. And as fate would have it, they were put in the lineup 
one after the other. Senior first and then junior. In the first inning of a game against the Angels, Griffey Sr. hits an opposite field home run. And his son follows up after he hits, his dad hits a two-run home run. His son follows suit and hits a home run almost to the same spot. It was the only time in MLB history that a father and son had hit back-to-back home runs in baseball history. King Griffey Jr. said later that his father greeted him at the plate by saying, that's how you do it, son. That's how you do it. I, I think about that like as a dad. Like, first of all, to have to, to get to that level, to get to a major league level, you are overcoming so many odds. To hit a home run at the major league level is incredible. But to get done hitting a two-run home run and then watch your son, who by all intents and purposes eclipsed your own career, he didn't know that at the time, but hits a home run right after him, right? I can't imagine what that would feel like. But what an incredible legacy that the Griffey family was able to share together. They had left a legacy of baseball, and it looked like it. It showed on September 14th of 1990, it looked like this family was leaving a legacy and a mark in the area of baseball. Now, you and I in this room... Every one of us, whether we realize it or not, we are leaving a legacy. We're leaving a legacy. Now, not every one of us leave a legacy that a pastor in Elmont, Alabama would get up and would share to his congregation years removed from that. Not everybody is leaving, leaving those types of legacy, but all of us in this room are leaving a legacy. When you think about the Griffey family, you think about baseball. My question to you in this room is, what legacy are you leaving? When somebody thinks of you, dad, mom, when your kids think about you, when your friend group considers who you are, what is the legacy that you leave behind? In your Bibles, if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 50, We're going to read about a man who had a remarkable life, a remarkable life, and he led and he lived and he left a remarkable legacy. But he did something at the end of his life that would leave a legacy and an impact for years to come. We're talking about a man by the name of Joseph. We're talking about a man by the name of Joseph who Joseph in the Bible is the only person other than Christ that is recorded for any amount of time that we don't see a single thing that he ever does wrong. Joseph is unique. Him and and Jesus, right, are the only ones that are discussed at length, any character in the Bible, and he is is never recorded any sin that he commits. Now, we know Joseph wasn't perfect, but it's interesting that we that we know him as that. We know him as a righteous man, that no matter what happened, he lived a righteous life, a life of conviction. But what we see in Genesis 50 is we see Joseph's faith. And so, first in your notes, let's look at the faith of Joseph. Genesis 50, verse 24. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. 
But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. Now, he says this to his brothers, the sons of Israel, Israel being Jacob. He says, I'm about to die, and this is what I want you to do. The same brothers, while he was living in Canaan, who would sell him into slavery, were the same brothers that he gathered around at his death and said, this is about to happen here are some instructions. Don't bury me in Egypt. Now, this is profound, and this is why. Joseph lived 110 years. Scholars believe that of the 110 years that Joseph lived, more than likely, over 90 of those years were lived in Egypt. Over 90, he was a young man when he came to Egypt. He came as a slave. And we know the story of Joseph. He worked his way up. He worked his way up to even be second in command. That he was literally the most powerful person in Egypt except for Pharaoh. And with all the affluence, with all the influence, with all of the money, with all of the pristine that came with being who he was in Egypt. And for living there for 90 plus years, you have to think at some point Egypt felt like home. Felt like the place that we would bury Joseph. But that's not his instructions. He instructs his brothers to carry my bones. Don't bury me in Egypt, but carry my bones from here. When God proves his faithfulness, he said he would do it to Abraham. He said he would do it to Isaac. And he affirmed it with our father, Jacob, who he changed his name to Israel to prove that. Believing that God, for God and his promises, instead of trusting what is right in front of me and loving where I'm at right now, don't bury me here. This is not my home. God has promised our people elsewhere. John Calvin about this said that wealth, 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 luxuries and honors made not the holy man, Joseph, to forget the promise, nor detained him in Egypt. And this was an evidence of no small faith. He, could, he had it all in Egypt. But even while in Egypt, even while having success by any man's metric, by achieving the greatest, and listen, if you as a man, being achievement-based as we are, if you reach second in command in the greatest world power of the day by anybody's standards, a man would look at another man that had achieved that and they would immediately have respect for him. They would immediately have influence over them. It was something to be admired. But while he was experiencing all this, Joseph wasn't concerned with his position. He was concerned with God's promise all throughout his life. He was successful, 
But success doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily an indicator of where we need to be. Just because men, women, you are successful, you are providing a good living, just because you are, um, you have arrived by the world's standpoint, you can have the whole world. Jesus said that you can have the whole world and you can forfeit your soul. So Christ is calling us to redefine success. I've said this quote before, but it's one of my favorites. Francis Chan once said, My greatest fear in life is not failure, but rather succeeding at things that don't really matter. I think there's a lot of men and women, I think there's people in general, that have placed such an importance on things that make zero impact in the kingdom. Make zero impact for eternity. And we live our whole lives in the, the, the need of the urgent. The urgent dictating what we do. And all along we miss living a life intentionally to invest in others. Because in your notes, Joseph's faith in God's promise set generations after him in line to see God's promise fulfilled. Alan, what do you mean by that? Literally, in, in Hebrews, it talks about Hebrews 11. It talks about how Joseph, his faith was what sustained the people of Israel. It what sustained the Hebrew people. As long as Joseph's remains were above ground, God was still could be, would be faithful to his promise. Right? Don't bury me here because the people of Israel are going over there. Now, what kind of things did the people of Israel endure? Years. Of slavery. After Joseph's death, the people of Israel would endure slavery. And listen, you think you, might, you have it rough. The people of Israel had it rough. People of Israel worked as slaves for the Egyptians. They were treated harshly, even to the point of death. They were told that women would have to kill their sons. So that the people of Israel, the, the, and I keep saying the people of Israel, but the Hebrew people could not procreate and get larger and larger in number. These were oppressed people. But through it all, Joseph's bones were still above ground. The promise of God was still intact. And then they would leave. But it wasn't like things got easier. They went into the land of the wilderness for 40 years. And wandered about in the desert for 40 years. And somebody had to keep up with Joseph's remains. How do we know that? Listen to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13. We're going to just skip across the first five books of the Bible here. But Exodus chapter 13 verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. And all the hustle and bustle and all the things going on and all the, we don't even have time for the bread to rise and all of the getting the kids ready, getting all your stuff, heading out, the exodus of the, of the people of God from Egypt. Moses said, don't forget, we got to swing by and get Joe's bones. Right? We got to go by and we got to get them. Why? Because he knew this day was coming. He trusted in the promise of God over his own provision for his life. But it's not all good news because the bones of Joseph would also see the failings of Israel, the failings of the Hebrew people. Look secondly at the failing. Numbers chapter 13, 
verse 25, the people of God find themselves at Kadesh Barnea, literally on the cusp of the promised land. And the 40-year wandering in the desert was not something they had to endure. If they had trusted God, they would have went right in. It wasn't like it took 40 years to get there. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because they failed to have faith. Numbers 13, verse 25. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. What land? The land of Canaan. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran. And at Kadesh, they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, the land in which you sent us, it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. And everybody's like, Wow. However, verse 28, the people who dwell in the land are strong. They need big grapes and oranges and produce because they big folks, right? The cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there, these weird Nephilim people that I don't understand and I don't think you understand, but if you do, tell me because I'd love to the insight uh, of, of who these giant men of stature were. I, we saw these people there. And listen to verse 32. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that saw it are of great height. They would say later, We're like grasshoppers. To these people. I mean, we are like little crickets to them. These people are massive. I love what Adrian Rogers says, though. Adrian Rogers says, No promise of God is without its giants. And man, that is so very true. If God has called you to something, you can almost identify what God has called you to by the difficulty of the task that you would have to do it on your own. It would be impossible, right? There's no possible way. The difficulty of the task in many ways proves that God has called us to it. Difficulty. So success is not necessarily an indicator of where we should be. But for us millennials in this room, difficulty is not necessarily an indicator that we are not where we need to be. Man, many times we'll take our ball and go home because it's hard, because it's difficult. I remember in student ministry talking with, with college students and trying to get our, our, our college ministry up and running, and they would so quickly leave. Why? Because it wasn't exactly how they liked it. And so instead of working to build, they just went where it existed, right? And so difficulty isn't necessarily an indicator that we're not where we need to be. These ideas of success and difficulty dictating where we should go and where we should be and who we should be is because of our limited perspective. We are placing our focus in the present and we are missing what God is sovereignly orchestrating throughout our life. Reminds me of the story of a little bird. This little bird decided that it was going to be tougher than all the other birds and he was going to wait out the migration. He was going to spend the winter up north and he wasn't going with the rest of the birds. So that's what he did. All the birds left and he stayed. A couple months went by and he realized he had made a horrible mistake. 
So a little bird thought, if I stay here, I'm dead. I've got to go. I've got to fly south. And so he tried with all his might to get there. But slowly but surely, the little bird lost its strength, and he glided down in a farm pasture to die, to literally freeze to death. Well, all the commotion... This bird landing in the field at a really strange time of the year got the attention of a cow. We'll call her Bessie. And old Bessie walks over, sees the, sees the little bird there, doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to her, steps over the little bird and decides to drop manure right on this little bird. So now the little bird thinks, great, I am freezing to death going to die, and now I'm going out like this. But something happens. The little bird starts to warm up. That's gross. Understand. <laughs> Stick with me. Starts to warm up, and he thinks, hey, I may actually make it after all. He gets so excited, he begins to sing his little bird song, which attracts the attention of the neighborhood cat. And the neighborhood cat, seeing the commotion of the little bird, making his joyous song, comes over and sees the bird, sees the situation, and takes the little bird carefully out of the manure, carefully cleans the little bird off, and the neighborhood cat eats the little bird. The end. That's it. Now, you're thinking, hey, you got, you're, you're just preaching with pink hair, and now you're, now you're telling this story, right? Y'all booed me out of here. Three lessons that we learned from this story about perspective. The little bird was living in the here and now and couldn't see past what was right in front of him. So number one, every time you find yourself in manure, it is not always a bad thing. Number two, being pulled out of manure is not always a good thing. And my favorite is... If you find yourself in manure today, you probably ought to keep your little chirper shut. <laughs> Love it. Right? Think about it. Perspective here. We see what's right in front of us. And what is right in front of us and what is in the present can be the end all and be all of everything in our life. But God is doing something that we can't see. And if we're not willing to trust him, we'll find ourselves failing as Israel did. Because they saw the giants, they didn't see their God that was sovereign over all. They missed it. For a God of the impossible, resistance is not necessarily an indicator of direction, but rather an opportunity to redirect glory to himself. Kind of like you see a, you see a turtle... On a fence post, sitting on a fence post, one thing you know for sure, that turtle didn't get there on its own. When we see God do things in our life that every, everyone around us recognizes we couldn't do for ourselves, we bring glory to God. Don't use pushback and difficulty as a measure that you're not where you need to be. But see what God is doing it all. In the same way that success is that way, difficulty is that way as well. Thirdly and finally, let's look at faithfulness. Faithfulness. Josiah, <laughs> the way this is, it makes it look like Josiah, the way it's abbreviated in my notes. Joshua chapter 21. There's not a book of Josiah. Joshua chapter 21, beginning in verse 43. 
all that Joseph believed God for happened. Somebody's keeping up with his bones through slavery. Somebody's keeping up with his bones through the wilderness. Somebody's keeping up with Joseph's stinky remains through the period of conquest where they're overcoming and in battle fighting the Canaanites and winning. All to come to Joshua chapter 21. Listen to what verse 43 says. Thus the Lord God gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it. And they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side. Just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them. For the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. Man, that is good right there. Not one of the promises, the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Joseph saw it before he saw it. Joseph believed God to the extent that he was willing to put somebody out or a group of people out, his descendants and his ancestry, to carry his bones through all of this junk because he knew it would be worth it one day. Maybe not even so much for himself as it would be for his people. And we talk about Joseph, but do we know that Joseph's dad did the same thing? Earlier in Genesis 50, Jacob does the exact same thing. Don't bury me in Egypt. I know my son's second in command and I'm living high off the hog, but don't bury me in Egypt. But Joseph would go and take a a group of others and would bury his father in Canaan and then would come back. And he followed after him. This is a lineage thing. This is a legacy thing. This is a family thing. Joshua 24, verse 32. We see this casual mentioning here at the end of the book of Joshua. This casual mentioning about this peculiar idea of carrying this man's bones to the promised land. Listen to verse 32. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the place of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamar, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of who? Joseph. You know, we know when we study scripture what we find? Joseph's body was buried in the heart of Ephraim. Shechem was in Ephraim. It was where Joseph's father bought land, purchased land, first in Canaan, first land owned by Hebrew people in Canaan. His bones were buried in Shechem in Ephraim. Ephraim got its name. There wasn't a tribe of Joseph. There was a tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh. Who were they? They were Joseph's sons. Joseph's sons 
were part of the ancestry that would see the bones of their forefather carried through all of that junk because God was faithful. Do you remember what Papa Joseph said? Papa Joe, Joe told us that God would do this. Now, Moses, don't forget the bones. And then when they're buried, they're buried in the land that is given to the descendants of Joseph. Even greater than that, the leader of the people of Israel was a man named Joshua. Joshua was a direct descendant of the tribe of Ephraim. Literally the direct descendant of the man who said, bury my bones in the promised land, was responsible for burying those bones. Legacy is built in to this story. One man's faithfulness. Now listen, people of Israel messed up. Descendants went wayward. But one man's obedience set up future generations to see the faithfulness of God. That's unbelievable to me. Joseph's bones in your notes... Joseph would, would die in a land where God's people would be held prisoner, but his bones would be buried in a land where God's people would behold promise. And as long as Joseph's bones were above ground, there was a possibility God would still be faithful to his promise. Men, women, Moms, dads, students, you're leaving a legacy. What an incredible legacy of a man that would give orders to have his bones held, his remains held above ground until the promise of God would come to fruition. It wasn't easy. It was inconvenient, but it was worth it. And so as a reminder of that, I've got these little, little plastic bones that we're going to give, we're going to throw all the men in here a bone, all right? <laughs> Literally. I wrote a little message of just a reminder to have faith in the scripture reference of Joseph giving the orders to the descendants. That I want you guys to put somewhere where you're going to see it. A reminder on this Father's Day that you can do a lot of things for your family, but you can't do anything for your family that's greater than leading them to Jesus. You can be a success in a lot of areas. I think I can, I can lead a big church. I can see people one to Christ. But if I've missed it at home, then I'm a fraud. And so I want to call you to the ministry of carrying bones. I want to call you to the ministry of being who God has called you to be for your families. And listen, not every, I understand the man may not be represented in your home. You as, as, as the mother, as the tone setter, you be the person that carries bones, that ensures that your kids, that future generations can see the faithfulness of God. Now, it'll be their decision one day to train up a child in the way that he should go. But that's on us. 
So I want you to put this somewhere as a reminder that you're called to the ministry of carrying bones, instilling and ensuring a legacy of faith in your family for years and years and generations to come. You know what's great about this? We don't have to have faith in an old man's bones. Hebrew people had faith in an old man's bones. We get to have faith in the fact that we can't find bones. We serve a risen Savior. The story of Joseph is prophetic of one who would die in slavery and would come to life in the land of promise. Jesus died for the yoke of my slavery to sin and of your slavery to sin. He died for it, physically gave up the ghost. He died. He quit breathing. But he was raised to new life. And man, man, I don't know. I don't know how far of a road you feel like you've got to come in order to be the leader God's called you to be. But what I can tell you is, you have unspeakable power at your disposal to do just that. God has made a way for you to have power through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, I can think of no better way for you to celebrate Father's Day. If you don't have a relationship with Christ in this room, I can think of no better way for you to begin to be the spiritual leader God's called you to be by coming to this altar, by surrendering your life to the Lordship of Christ. But I want you to respond to whatever it is that God is leading you to respond to today. With every head bow and eye closed as we enter a time of invitation. If you're here today and you don't know that you have a relationship with Christ. Man, woman, boy, girl. You don't have a relationship with Christ. That's the most important thing we could communicate today. As you feel the pulling off, that's already existing in your heart right now, being under the sound of my voice. I would ask that you would be bold enough. Here's a man challenge for you. What would be easier? Sitting there and acting like everything's fine or actually getting vulnerable and responding regardless of who sees or who witnesses. I can think of no better place to lead your family than to the altar than to the feet of Jesus so if you need to make a decision for Christ this invitation is for you maybe a next step for you being the man God's called you to be is to come and find a place at this altar with your family just laying down your lives and your priorities the things that have gotten in the way for far too long maybe you, God is calling you to take that initiative to set that tone and maybe do business with the Lord here at the altar. But whatever, whatever God is leading you to do, maybe you need, you need to lead your family toward membership, getting involved in this church body, having accountability in this church body to be who God has called you to be. We'd love for you to do that. But men, I want you to listen to the Lord. If this old preacher can talk you into something, somebody smarter than me can talk you out of it. I'm not your Holy Spirit, but I pray that you would be responsive to the Holy Spirit today. Whatever that means in this time. Father, do what you do. Change lives. 
mend hearts, return people back to you. Regardless of the distance that we've traveled from you, if we will turn, we will find you right there to meet us. Thank you for your love that pursues us. May we respond to that today in kind. In your name we pray. Amen. And amen. Would you stand to your feet? As we sing, would you come? Whatever decision, whatever you need to do, need to do business at this altar, don't need me, that's great. If you need to find me, need to surrender your life to Christ, join whatever the case may be. We've got counselors would love to talk to you. But you do what God has laid on your heart to do in this time as we sing. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, there is Come find mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow, but heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow, but heaven can't heal. So lay down your burden. like having a real conversation on the way home about how priorities in your family are going to change. Maybe it looks like when you get home, going to a place in your home where sin is allowed and abides and getting rid of it. Find an accountability But what I pray for you is that God's Holy Spirit would not leave you alone. Man or woman, regardless of age, the Holy Spirit would not leave you alone until you do business with God. Would would you pray with me together? Father, we love you and we thank you for what you've done in this place. You are so good. You are a God that literally fights our battles for us. We've sang it today. You are a good Father. And I don't know what other fathers, what other people in this room have to look to in a Father, but we have perfection in you. So God, I just pray that you would lead us, that you would direct us in what we need to do, God, in order to align ourselves 
a lifestyle and a purpose that makes a real difference. God, may we carry these bones, building a legacy of faith and passing it, passing the torch to others. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. If you're joining us uh, by live stream uh, or in person, there's a way for you to respond as well. For whatever reason, you didn't move and you would like to make a decision, and that Connect card is a way for you to do that here. It's in your bulletin. You can let us know and drop it in the offering bucket on the way out, and it's on the initial post for those of you that are in uh, on live stream following along. Happy Father's Day. Man, thank you so much for choosing Lindsay Lane North to be where you worship. Y'all check out these announcements, and we'll close. Good morning, North family. Joseph here. I've got a few things you need to know about before we leave. First, Food Trucks and Fireworks is happening June 27th from 5 to 9 p.m. We need volunteers to pull off this huge community event, and we're partnering with all campuses of Lindsay Lane to make this event the biggest it's ever been. So sign up to help today. And next, ladies, you've wanted a fellowship event, especially for our North ladies. If so, look no further than our Women's Ministry Luncheon on July 24th at 12 p.m. It's a free event for all ages. And if you want to sign up, follow the link below or visit the North Steps. And finally, interest groups continue to meet throughout the summer. These are geared towards fellowship and outreach, and they provided a fun environment to build relationships within the church. So don't miss out. We're having a blast so far. That's all I've got for you, and I hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time. All right, it's always good to see everyone. On your way out, the offering buckets are in the back. This is the time of the service that we uh, present our tithes and offerings to the Lord. So if you came prepared to give and cash your check, you can use the envelopes and the chair backs in front of you to do that. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, thank you for coming. You should know we don't ask our guests to give financially to our ministries here. We just ask that you put your Connect card in the bucket so that we'll find a way to reach out to you this week. Uh, there's a couple other ways you can give. You can text North Give to 31996. You can give online at lindsaylanenorth.org. For those of you watching on live stream, thanks for tuning in. You can give to the address at the bottom of the screen. All right. Uh, you heard Pastor Joseph talk about interest groups. We had some uh, pictures on Lindsay Lane North Loop. Go check those out of some of the things that our groups have been doing so far this year. Uh, also, on your way out, there are some uh, invite cards for the food trucks and fireworks that's happening one week from tonight. Grab a stack of those, hand them out at your workplaces, at the grocery store, wherever you do business this week. Get the word out. Let the community know what we're doing for our community next Sunday night. All right, that is it. May God be glorified in us as we leave. Happy Father's Day, y'all. Y'all are dismissed.